1: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Sovereign Self. This is your host, Sophia Renea Morales, and today I'll be discussing finding our inner light, the power of mindset with Kristen Ellis. But before I introduce our guests today, I would like to introduce you to yourself. A lot of us walk around looking at everyone else's outside and comparing it to our inside and going, oh, they are so much more gifted than we are. And the truth of the matter is we are all sent here with amazing spiritual gifts. And if you would like the answer to what is my number one spiritual superpower, you can go to superpowerquiz.us and take a two minute quiz that will identify your particular giftedness in this world, your number one superpower, if you will. That's at superpowerquiz.us. And since you have your pen and paper because you're wanting to write that down, I will repeat (laughs) it one more time, superpowerquiz.us. And so I will introduce our guest for today. Kristen Ellis is a debut author and speech pathologist who lives in Dallas. Texas with her husband and two young daughters. Inspired by her clients' journeys as well as her dad's triumphant recovery from unexpected medical challenges, she's passionate about the astonishing power of a positive mindset and how it improves the quality of life for both children and adults alike. She enjoys writing stories that inspire hope and possibility. Welcome. I'm so happy to have you here with me today.
2: Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here, and I am just very
1: appreciative of the opportunity to share um, the story. Yeah, wonderful. Well, and I introduce all these amazing guests who've written all these books and got these degrees and had this incredible experience, and I know a lot of us look at that and go, oh, well, that's because she's just so much more amazing than I am. (laughs) But I don't So far, I haven't had a guess who started at that point. They started someplace far different. So what was your beginning like, Christy?
2: Well, I, to be honest, still don't think of myself as an author. <laughs> um, <laughs> amazingly enough, and I can relate to that, yes. <laughs> yes, and so, um, so I still feel like I am not far from where I began, but um, I began um, just as a speech pathologist. Um, I was inspired to become a speech pathologist by um, what my Father went through. Um, I was still in college, so had not really decided what I wanted to do yet, and Mm -hmm. um, became a speech therapist after I had gone to um, see, after I'd seen
1: all of the progress that he made through speech therapy with different things. So tell Um, me a little mm -hmm. bit about that story. What was it like to live that out? Because there's always this, what I want to say, alarming moment when the setback occurs. And yes. So share that moment with us.
2: Yeah. So that moment, it was kind of, um, that was a lot of kind of a string of, of really kind of hard moments and realizations. But the, the turning point was um, when my father had a stroke, he was 53 years old. So I was um, still in college and. Um, you know, it was very unexpected and shocking. He didn't have any risk factors or anything like that. He was, you know, pretty much healthy as a horse yeah. and, um, was always kind of the type of guy who was very kind of gre- gregarious and helping others and, um, just really, you know, physically handy as well
1: because he grew exactly. up on a farm. And so he he's out there. So he was, yeah. Doing all the things, seeing all the people out and there, doing his the best things. life. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yes. Yes. And um, he when he had a stroke, unfortunately, it was a very a massive, you know, stroke. Um, <gasps> affected his left side, and so he is he, um, rem- it paralyzed his left his entire left side. So his yeah. leg, arm, face, his entire He's left side. He's got a long road of recovery running.
1: ahead of him. Yeah
2: had a long road. And so, um, it, you know, my dad is really tall as well as 6'5". He, the doctors really weren't sure if he would be able to walk again because that's a lot of weight bringing you down
1: yeah. um, when
2: you're paralyzed. And so um, what was amazing to me was the amount of just um, determination that he had and really never had any doubt that he would walk again. Um, and just the sheer, that kind of like the grit that he had, um, to work toward that. But he also was, what was amazing during that time was through every step of recovery, you know, there were, as you go through recovery and more time passes, you start to realize, okay, this isn't completely healing, um, your mindset has to adjust. I, mm-hmm. I can imagine. And, um, so he, you know, through all of that time, he really just held steadfast in his, um, his faith and just the, um, ability to remain positive and he even was joyful a lot of that time he would you know play jokes on the nurses and they had a relationship where you know they had a lot of fun in the hospital and it was you know a six-month recovery so it was a very long road
1: yeah Um, so he had plenty of time to build relationships with them (laughs) he did
2: plenty of time and um and but he did learn to walk again um with a cane and um by kind of dragging his left leg over and um has just been um kind of surprising people and you know breaking the odds breaking through the odds all along the way uh, of his recovery and even since then just yeah. um, you know because it's been quite a while so uh the stroke.
1: so kind of paint the pictures what what did the doctors say he was likely to to have as an outcome at the beginning and what where did he end up for an outcome at the end Um, in the beginning he, he he was given, he was given a 50, 50 chance to live in the very
2: beginning. And it was, um, you know, 72 hour waiting period, um, determine how, if he was going to live and then how much damage was, was done brain damage and physical, you know, um, um, kind of, um,
1: yeah, physical disability, physical disability or, 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 you know,
2: um, and so they really didn't. It was it's very hard to keep your trunk um, you know, upright and when you're when, when you have that weight pulling you down. And I think because of his height and everything, all of the different factors, they um had prepared him for a wheelchair. Um, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with being in a wheelchair whatsoever, yeah. but they they had prepared him for that um scenario and we had taken ramps to the house. We had a few steps yeah. and um, when he went home, he, you know, so told my mom. Question oh, for you.
1: I kind of want to interject. Okay. When the doctors were laying this groundwork for, yeah, you should expect a wheelchair and they should get ramps and do all of that kind of stuff, did he receive that and go, oh, I'm going to own that? Or did he take kind of a different approach? Did he kind of go, well, <laughs> that- okay, that's what you
2: think. <laughs> That's an interesting question. It was more, you know, I don't think he ever pictured that as an outcome. It wasn't something that was going to, he accepted as his reality. And I think that when he went home um, and we were using the ramps, um, he, he realized, and my mom kind of jokes, my dad's been so tall he's been able to see over everyone is Hawaiian yeah. uh, sitting in the chair you know he was like this is just this is just not gonna yeah be lo-
1: lost in a lost in a crowd really right <laughs>
2: yes and so um so he told my mom to take the to take the the ramps up that he wasn't going to be using the ramps I think that it was more of a he did not invite that into his reality as a as a possibility um and um you know that could go both ways in my opinion i think that there's nothing wrong with that if that's you know that's um a reality for a lot of people and they live wonderful brilliant lives um but for my dad it was just something that he he thought he could work towards to to walk
1: and gain mobility yeah so yeah and i i mm -hmm. like i like that he understood what his capabilities were right because many of us Allow someone to, uh, what do I want to say, um, pamper us into not stretching ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's a lot to be said for, for stretching yourself. And yes, there's also, I think, sometimes a recognition that it could be a baby step on the step of the greater journey that he wanted to take, right? So right. maybe we use the ramps for a week and then I start working on stairs kind of thing. I know when my bonus mom was going through, she had kidney disease and she really wanted to be on peritoneal dialysis, not the blood dialysis because the peritoneal you can do at home. is while you're sleeping. You get all of your waking time back. You don't have to spend hours in a transfusion center getting kidney dialysis and you know she kept getting sicker and sicker and they she wasn't well enough that they could implant the port and the doctor came in and he's like yeah your numbers aren't looking any better we need to really look at blood dialysis and she's like I don't really want blood dialysis and I I decided to step in in that moment and I said if she does blood dialysis now is it gonna stop her from getting what she wants and the doctor's like oh no it'll get her there faster because she'll be able to have the surgery sooner she'll be more likely to be able to have the surgery and so mm-hmm. that was when she was like okay I'll do it for a little while yes yeah <laughs> so a- it, yeah so I, I find it's important to ask those kinds of clarifying questions
2: that's a really good point. Yeah, exactly. And there's, and that is necessary sometimes
1: too. You know, you have to start somewhere before you spring off to get where you want to be. Um, yeah. So he's, mm-hmm. he's walking with a cane now, which they said he couldn't do. Was there anything else that they yes. said he couldn't do?
2: Well, so, um, when he, after kind of he was going to outpatient therapy and a little bit long, you know, farther along, about a year after the stroke, I would say, um, he, he had been his, job at the time of the stroke was, um, he was a CEO of a, of a company it's was kind of stressful. Um, and he, they told him, you know, it's not wise to go back to that job. And so he decided he wanted to go into real estate oh. and, um, you can imagine, you know, as a person who's paralyzed <laughs> on their left side, um, the psychiatrist that he was seeing or psychologist, whichever was, you know, told him, you're never going to, do real estate that you know it's a lot it's, of
1: walking it's yeah it's physical, pretty active yeah. right you gotta put yes. put signs in the ground and yeah tour people around i i can see why he would be like hmm, think about this <laughs> right and well and he did it
2: <laughs> and so he he was a real estate he did real estate for um goodness probably 15 years after his stroke um he and he had some stumbles he had you know he he had some little mishaps here and there he fell down yeah. some stairs one time we joked that his head was so hard that you know I <laughs> made of concrete because he you know he had definitely took some some spills and um yeah and, but that's
1: also how we learn right it's how we yes. learn what we need to do to be able to navigate the situation right exactly. especially when you're relearning something like this as an adult
2: right you know. exactly yeah and so he, he he but you know he kept on and um and just you you make adjustments and you know he would have you know when I was home he would help me have me help him put signs in the ground you know things like that he had people help him. my mom was a huge part in um helping him live you know the life that he wanted to live is is a huge part and so um you know that's That's so important too, that she's not forgotten in all of this because she, she has been incredible in her identity shifted um, when he had the stroke as well. So um, into more of a role, Um, caregiver sounds a little, you know, for lack of a better word, I guess, you know, caregiver would be, would be appropriate because she does, she helped him do things he couldn't do with, with with um one arm yeah but fully
1: dressed and everything like that. yeah exactly there's that um, role but then there's also picking up the things that he's unable to do as well so now she's
2: exactly
1: she's got to do more things around the house that perhaps she didn't have to do previously right precisely
2: so um so yes they they have definitely demonstrated how teamwork you know teamwork is um so important and you know, just living—they're you know, both of their lives. It's you know, just the um, the way they've worked together has been amazing.
1: Yeah, it it makes a huge difference. So mm-hmm. I want to hear about the moment in your dad's journey where something inside of you went, oh, my direction is." speech pathology. But we are up on our first break already. Okay. (laughs) So what I'd like to do is invite everyone who's joined us today, get your pen, get your piece of paper, and spend a few minutes around difficulties you've been through that inspired a new direction for you in some way. And hang with us, we'll be right back from the break.
3: Voice America at facebook.com forward slash voiceamerica for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts.
1: Hey beautiful soul. Sophia Renee morales here. I've been doing Sovereign self for over a year now, and I would like to hear from you. Tell me what you want to hear in coming shows. Go to tell TellZofia, that's T-E-L-L-Z-O-F-I-A.com. Drop me a quick note and let me know. How has this show supported you? Where should we go next? Or are you perfectly content with where we're going at the moment? That's TellZofia.com. Your opinion is critical in informing where I take the show next. Thank you so much and live soul first. with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.
3: Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for
0: you.
1: Thanks for hanging in with us through the break. This is Sophia Renee Amorales, and I'm still here with Christy Ellis, who was telling us about her father's stroke journey and the lessons and the inspiration she took from that. And what she's going to share with us now is that moment, that event where the light came on for her, that speech pathology was part of her life purpose.
2: Yes. So this is also kind of a complex answer, but um, because it didn't really come to me until later on, but, um, but I've always loved kind of motivating people or the idea of motivating. And, um, and you know, through my dad's journey, um, I think that, you know, I, I learned a lot of things. First of all, life will always throw us curveballs <laughs> in that in immense everything <laughs> 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 uh, um two uh, it's important to be vulnerable enough to accept help right and yes. to and also crucial to be able to be uh, willing to work to for what you're for what you want so yeah. to to work um and be determined to find um, hope
1: yeah and hope and persistence
2: yeah <laughs> yes. hope and persistence and yeah and then um and then if we're willing and determined to find that hope that um you know a lot of good can come and we can be fulfilled in just about any circumstance and um everything that and and also the power of unconditional love which was where you know my mom comes in and um just her her willingness to help as well so that kind of, you know, I think we all want to make a difference in this world, and I think that when um, <clears throat> I was going to the speech therapy appointments with him and saw everything he went through the hospital, it speech therapy is such a, um, so by, a very diverse within the field. It's very diverse, and there are a lot of mm-hmm. different um, areas that you can. Um, that you can go into, but it's a, a dire- it directly impacts quality of life in so many ways.
1: Oh, and, yes, um, because if you, therapist, if you can't make yourself understood, and I'm going through this with my father with dementia, mm-hmm. if you can't make yourself understood, yes. it's a hugely frustrating situation. And so, yeah, yes. I, I've got firsthand experience with just how frustrating that can be.
2: Yeah, it is, it's, it's crucial. Our communication is just such a, you know, it's what, it's one of the things that sets us apart as humans, you know, just our ability to communicate and um, our ideas. And um, also even, even, you know, the way we think and um, solve problems and even swallowing everything um, like that is involved. So I think that for me, it was an opportunity to help people, but also, um, you know, I saw through, through experience, even um, since since then, through being a speech therapist, how how um, crucial family support and the patient's understanding and determination, what they their expectations and what they can see as a as possibility affects their recovery. And um, so it's kind of like was an opportunity to you know um, have have an influence in in those aspects of the recovery, um, as well as the, as the physical and, um, cognitive elements of, you know, the speech therapy. So it's kind of also, you have an impact on their spiritual journey as well.
1: Yes. And speaking Um, of spiritual journey, how did this tie in with yours?
2: Um, this, you know, it's amazing. I'm still not, you know, claiming to be, Complete to have have mastered this, but the,
1: none the of us of have mindset. mastered this. <laughs> I guess the Dalai Lama and maybe a couple. Kind of, well, well, perhaps the Dalai Lama, one yes, <laughs> yes. But
2: other than other than that, and uh, you know, few few um, spiritual leaders in our in the history. I guess it, we're all striving for for that kind of mastery of our mindset and um, spirituality. But um, I think for me, I my father's journey kind of opened my eyes into what we attach our identity to to be, we have to be careful about what we t- attach our identity to oh yes and um you really and you know the only thing that because sorry i digress my father when he was going through recovery it it was um kind of amazing to me how he he had a lot of loss, you know, with his physical abilities and the, what he was used to being mm-hmm. able to do and especially yeah. for others. And my dad has always been, he, he, lo- he really truly loves people and he loves connecting with people um, and doing things for people, helping and where he couldn't physically help anymore. I noticed that his spiritual um, nature, that like the nature of his spirit remained the same. Yeah. And he he was. And he able shifted
1: to... more from a doing to a being mode.
2: Yes. Yes. And his I think that, you know, oddly his his connection to people has probably grown even because, you know, he's still he he it didn't break his spirit and he's still very, you know, has a great sense of humor and it's, um you know very um is he loves connecting to to others with others and that has actually probably grown um and so i have just tried to kind of remember how you know we can't always
1: be chasing
2: something outside of ourselves and um to make us happy
1: and well, that and that that's, to be fair, that's how we were raised a lot of times. Yes. It's like check off all the boxes and, you know, you'll be happy at some point down the road. Um, right, right. So it, it's huge to have that learning and have that learning early in your life that, mm-hmm. you know what, happiness is not out there. Happiness is in here. And I can make that choice.
2: Yes, and it's like it is making a choice a lot of the time. So um, it's, of course, not that simple, but it is.
1: Um... No, it, it's simple, but it's not that easy always, right? Because we're human, right. we've got emotions that, that come up in response to things like uh, having an illness or an accident or a massive health crisis, like a stroke. Um, but then after we've had that reaction, there's that opening where you can start to to choose something different and to say, okay, um, yeah, that sucked, but I am still response able to write something different, to choose the ending that goes behind whatever that horrific thing was.
2: Yes, precisely. Yeah. that And that is kind of, that's exactly where um, I think we have the pow- power that we don't realize we have. Sometimes it's easy to forget that.
1: Yeah. And, and we can do it at any time. You know, it, it doesn't matter if it took you five minutes to get to that point, five months, five years, at any moment on that journey, you can go, I can I can write that other ending. We all have that opportunity right now in every moment to write that other ending.
2: Yes. I love that. I love the way you put that because that is exactly how you, you, you can determine, you determine, um, the way you look at things determines a lot of the, um, happiness in your life or sense of fulfillment. And you do have the power to write that other ending in
1: any circumstance. Exactly. So I know you were inspired not just to go into peach, speech pathology, which you did for a while, but you were eventually inspired to write a book. So, tell us how the book came about.
2: Sure. Yes. Um, I well, I've always I've always loved to write, and um, I kind of have always kind of done it as a hobby, I guess you you could say. Mm-hmm. And um, but when my father was in inpatient rehab, I would. Go and visit him, and you know, drive to visit him um, when he was in the hospital in in rehab. And I, one day, I just saw some fireflies off in the distance, you know, just um, flying around. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> and to me, they represented hope, kind of a sense of hope at the time. It just kind of, you know, you you forget there are these just magical things in the world that yeah and they literally
1: shine their light right
2: (laughs) yes and they shine their light and so this um this poem just kind of came to me as I was driving and at that time you know um there were no cell phones or anything like that so I couldn't speak it in. so when I um got home I wrote it down really quickly and kind of just sat there um for a while. And then when, um, as time went by and it kind of became more clear, that, you know, the newness of the the stroke and the rehab and all of that kind of, um, as time passed, the newness, I mean, that's kind of a strange way to put it. Yeah, but the newness wears off. It, you yeah. realize
1: we're in a new, new reality yeah. is, is
2: more <laughs> evident yes yeah as we were in the new normal I would say that's a good way to put it um I think you know there's a there's a little bit of a uh, you know a a coming down for of you know we're um settling into the new reality and it was uh, particularly for my mom I think that it was a little bit um you know just a little bit for lack of the better word, depressing, you know, just kind of the new.
1: Well, yeah, the new reality can be really heavy, especially when you're the caretaker, because now you're not just getting up and and doing your thing. You have to get the other person ready as well. So you've just doubled or tripled your getting ready time, which really eats into your day. And then even after they're ready, A lot of times Mm -hmm. it's not like you're free to go do something else. They continue to need assistance as they're going through their stuff during the day. And yeah, it's a massive change to how you live your life.
2: Yeah, a really big change. So I think she was adjusting to the change. We were all kind of settling into the new reality. And so that was kind of my, I had just decided to make a story out of this poem for my family, just as kind of a um an uplifting story to kind of spark some hopes hope and um so that's when I finished it and um when I had children I decided to do something with it and try to get it published and so that's where it came from
1: oh super cool so you mentioned it has fireflies in it was the title of the book uh, the title is Firefly Franz
2: Fantastic Day. Aww. I can try to say that five times fast.
1: Yeah. Um, the, the, the speech pathologist has given us a tongue twister that we can work on.
2: <laughs> right, exactly. Um I've thought about having people say that in, you know, video and have like a little reel of uh, Like a
1: blooper reel of people trying to yes, say it really fast. Real. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes. Um but yeah, it's basically it's a story um about kind of the same thing we've spoken about. You know, um we can't find happiness chasing the things outside of ourselves and we have everything we need we need within us um already. So um it's
1: that's kind of what it's about. That's beautiful. That is yeah. so beautiful. So, how do you bring your soul into your work as a speech therapist?
2: I think,, um, you know, just really having compassion is really important for, you know, patients. Right now, I'm not working as much with um, and I'm not working in the hospital. I did before work in the hospital with adults. Yeah. And um, now I work with children doing evaluations. Um, and so we are oftentimes telling parents for the first time, you know, if there is a an eligibility or diagnosis, something, you know, new information that might be painful. Yeah. Um, so my role right now is a little different than it was When I first started, when I first started, I would say, you know, just having the compassion and, and I could put myself in their shoes and as their families
1: as well. A lot of the time. Really easily because you've walked that Mm -hmm. path. Yeah.
2: Yes. And, um, now I, you know, we try to, um, bring the information to parents, um, with, that's, you know, wrapped in hope and possibility that, you know, that what they're visualizing the future is not necessarily what they are. The future will
1: be. Yes. (laughs) Right.
2: And that there is hope and a lot of, um, a lot of possibility there.
1: Yeah. When you you talked about sharing with parents in that difficult moment of diagnosis, I, I kind of saw you like doing the sharing and then here's a book that might help everybody.
2: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, that would be great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
1: exactly. So um, we're coming up on our second break already. I okay. Would, I would like to invite everyone who's joined us, that pen and paper that you grabbed, go ahead and grab it again and spend a few minutes on things in your life that bring you hope, that help light up your day when the day feels a little gloomy and dark and it started with a bad hair day and went on downhill from there. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Make make yourself a list of things that give you hope so that you have it the next time there is one of those bad hair days that's just headed downhill. And uh, you can use that to help turn it around So go ahead and create that list and hang with us. We'll be right back from the break.
3: Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today.
1: Hey, beautiful soul. Sophia Renea Morales here. I've been doing Sovereign Self for over a year now and I would like to hear from you. Tell me what you want to hear in coming shows. Leave a quick voice message at 520-261-6827 and let me know, how has the show supported you? Where should we go next? Or are you perfectly content with where we're going at the moment? That number, 520-261-6827. Thank you so much for your feedback. It's crucial in informing where I take the show next. Thank you, and go out and live soul first.
3: Small businesses are in trouble, and it didn't just start with COVID-19. From the recession several years ago to the revolution of e-commerce giants more recently, Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio.
0: You are listening to Sovereign Self with Sophia Renea Morales. We'd love to hear from you on the show today. Call in to one 866 472 5790 Again, that's one 866 472 5790 Or if you'd prefer, send an email to askSophia at transformationspace.co. Now, back to Sovereign Self.
1: Thanks for hanging in with us through the break. This is Sophia Renea Morales, and I am back again with Christy Ellis, continuing our conversation on positivity and the importance that it can play in expressing your purpose out into the world. So, Christy, I would love to understand from you what are some of the biggest lessons that you took away from this this stroke journey that your family had together?
2: Um, The biggest lessons, I think, are that you can definitely shape your reality um by the thoughts that you think and by uh, in the expectations that you have you know for the future and um
1: i i i i love that as a lesson what did you learn Mm -hmm. about holding your own personal vision from your father about where he saw this going, as opposed to where that doctor saw this going? Um,
2: no one can prescribe your future for you, um, for sure. Um, and no one, you know, I think that f- having faith and your relationship with your higher, higher power and yourself um, and using that as kind of, you know, um, your, like your guide, I guess. Yeah. You your say, guide. Yeah. Right. To, <laughs> pay pay yeah. attention
1: to that compass. Yeah.
2: Yes. It's your compass. That's exactly what I was trying to, to think the word I was trying to think of. There's your compass and your guide for, you know, what, what's right for you and what you think that you can accomplish and what you, what resonates with you, um, as you know,
1: what feels true yeah. and possible. And and I love and, that. And- um, I love that what you think you can accomplish. I find that that happens for me on two different levels because there's what my, my personality, my little separate self down here thinks I can do, which might be one mm-hmm. thing. But higher self oftentimes has a bigger vision. Mm-hmm. And I had... <laughs> I had an accident uh, probably five or six years ago now where I had both knees blown out. Uh, I was oh at a gosh. dog park and a full-grown wolfhound tried to run between my legs. It was like getting hit by a linebacker. And there was a terrible pop. And mm-hmm. the they took me to the emergency room. And at the emergency room, they're like, we don't know if we should put you in a wheelchair or if we want to try and leave you on crutches. I mean, it is both legs, but one one we can brace and the other one might be okay with just a a wrap. And I can Mm -hmm. remember, you know, not looking forward to like the six to eight weeks on crutches and they're talking about there may be surgery and all this kind of stuff. And then not that first night, but the second night, I had this dream where I just flowed out of bed, you know, that really graceful arising sort of thing and I into this really smooth, graceful walk just across the room. And it's like my higher Mm -hmm. self was like, don't worry about this eight weeks, you're coming back from this and and you will be smooth and graceful again.
2: Mm, That's powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: and so I find it's important to pay attention to those things when they arrive uh, because mm-hmm. it does it really helps your recovery process it, it helps you do the things that you need to do and my higher self and my crazy last name I have a hyphenated well it's not hyphenated it's got actual spaces in the last name yeah <laughs> and so I get filed under three different letters oh yes it, it took forever for my MRI results to come back to the doctor and so in the meantime I'm I'm you know, working on building up strength in my knees. I'm going to my acupuncturist who uses like all the modalities. He puts electricity on the needles and he uses red lights and the whole business. And he's got this amazing track record of healing stuff. And by the time the results found their way back to me, almost five weeks later, I was walking without crutches. I was almost all the way off of the brace on the one leg. And it was at that point they sent me to the surgeon to get evaluated now that we've got the results. And the surgeon looked at me sitting in her office without any crutches (laughs) and looked at the report in front of herself and she said, are you sure I've got the right report? I'm like, yeah, it checks out that is the right report. She says, we're gonna take a couple x-rays and send you to physical therapy. <laughs> wow. Yeah,
2: isn't that amazing? It's just yeah, that's yeah, and that's pretty
1: And I say I was protected because I didn't have to struggle against that information because my soul withheld it. None of us knew yes. that I actually had a break in the left leg, oh, which is goodness. the one that was in the in the cast. Nobody knew that I had a couple of ligaments that had like totally let go. Not mm-hmm. like torn part way through, totally let go. But it healed anyway, without the surgery. And so, yeah, it not knowing that you can't can be a real blessing. It
2: yes, that is so true. That is so true. And exactly, not letting your you know when your when your subconscious isn't isn't agreeing with what you're coming. Yes. Mhm it's so powerful as well. Um and that is another you know it, is, it wasn't part of that time as a stroke but um since the challenges that my dad's faced since the stroke as well including when he was 77 he broke his femur in oh. his left paralyzed leg. Oh um, my goodness. Clean break straight through. And oh, so wow. then they were really thinking, okay, they had to cut through muscle and everything to put the rod in. And, you know, there's, that's already paralyzed legs. So um, that was another big, huge turning point for him and renewed my, you know, <laughs> um, kind of sense of my goodness, this is, this stuff, you know, just your mind, your mind's ability to overcome tragedy like that it could have been a real tragedy is just incredible um
1: yeah that's incredibly a really, powerful really difficult break when they have to to open it up and put plates and rods and screws in there it really yes. makes the recovery a lot harder
2: yes and it was in his paralyzed leg on top of that and so but he 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 walk. he is walking again you know he he did it again and it's like things like that along the way that have happened that have been setbacks, um, have never deterred him from, you know, he's just never given up basically. It's just, you know, and, um, another thing that I've, I've taken from his journey is, you know, we, our attitudes and kind of mindset are so powerful, um, not only to us, but they affect those around us and, um, really help, you know, they really, we can either drag others down or lift others up. And I think a really big part of his recovery is, you know, he, he was so positive that we were able to also have that hope because, you know, he, we obviously care about him and, you know, um, but he was in charge. So yes, and I, I think that... it's
1: super important to remember that when you have a family member going through something who's gotten all of these terrible prognoses and who's mm-hmm. striving for something more than the doctor is saying they'll be able to do. I think it's super important in that circumstance to not try to get them to think realistically.
2: I right. I think it's really important yes. to
1: support them in, all right, yeah, we don't know how, but I'm sure there's a way and we'll figure it out. Yes. Mm-hmm. I I yes. think that's huge. So if we're not used to like being the positive thought cheerleader, <laughs> if you will, yeah, right? Uh, what are some ways we can learn to instill positive thinking in ourselves, and then by extension, in our in our spouse, in our kids, in the community around us?
2: Well, I am. Um, Again, still practicing this, and still trying to, <laughs> as as we all are. <laughs> as we all are, but um, I think that you know one thing is um habit of thought, our thought, keeping um guard over our thoughts, and and carefully, you know. Being aware of what we're thinking a lot of times yes. our, our thoughts are just running wild and you know we don't have we
1: haven't harnessed our thoughts. Yeah, even and when, awareness is always step one, right?
2: Awareness yeah. is step one. Yes, and you know even with the most of the time it's just the mundane things, right, in day to day life,
1: hitting right. traffic. I got to get, get the, the laundry. <laughs> what time am I picking up the kids? Do we have after school today? Yeah. <laughs>
2: yes my computer's going slow you know whatever um and so i think you know looking at how you starting to look at how you look at those little things in life and kind of re um kind of reframing how you look at the thing that those things and um getting into the habit of putting a positive spin on on little mundane things like that a uh, help also when you are Yeah, you're building
1: up that that, outwardly. that positive pivot muscle when you do it with the little things, right? When you do yes. it with the little, oh my gosh, we're gonna be late to the tap dance recital or whatever it is. Just taking a deep breath and going, Okay, there's a, a reason that we're late. It's okay. It will all work out fine in the end. And it generally does. You know, I, I and it find generally does yes. when I can relax into something like that i'll arrive and they're all they're all running late so okay integrate <laughs> yeah.
2: or it won't have started on time or something you know um and um but yeah and then outwardly you know when we think of thought a lot of the times we we say it out loud and so i think yes. that you know modeling particularly well, for ourselves but also for our children um, i think that modeling that self-talk you know um positive self-talk, versus the negative, like, oh, I can't believe I just did that.
1: Yeah, because you know, we um, mutter under our breath, right? Like <laughs> I can't believe yes, what is wrong with me that I let this day get out of hand. There's nothing wrong with you.
2: <laughs> right, and, right, exactly. And, kind of, you know, even me.
1: even when you've fallen down, let's say you're working on this practice, right, and you're practicing mm-hmm. not muttering that kind of stuff under your breath and you're practicing not thinking it, even if you quote unquote made the mistake of saying out loud, well, what's wrong with me? Um, You can then verbally correct that and show your kids that it's okay to make that mistake and recover Mm -hmm. from it. And I think that's a wonderful lesson to share with yourself. And it's a wonderful compassion to give yourself, right? Because you have a choice in that moment of, oh man, I messed it up and I can beat up on myself some more. Mm -hmm. Or you can step back and give yourself some grace. Yes, I'm so glad you said that about compassion because I think
2: I forgot to mention that earlier. That's one of the things that I've, and I don't remember where I learned it, but um, it all starts with the compassion for ourselves. And you know, until we have compassion for ourselves, we can't really have compassion for others, and we can't really share. You know, we can't. It's it's much harder to be positive um so i think it does start with compassion for yourself and you know the positive self-talk versus the negative self-talk
1: i know you have some Mm -hmm. tips that that you give to parents around helping their their children do this what are some of those tips um
2: i as far as positive
1: positive thinking thinking, and the the persistence mm -hmm. Uh, to pursue that thing that perhaps other people are going well, that's not realistic.
2: <laughs> yes, well, oh, exactly. I mean, it's like we're all human, and I think people forget <laughs> that. That, um, but I think you know the first thing. Um, well, definitely the example of of the positive self talk and the and the less complaining. Honestly, you know, less complaining out loud, less outward complaining. Um, also, when you when your kids come to you with a worry instead of brushing it off and saying, you know, oh, don't worry, honey, you know, it's going to be okay. You know, it's just kind of, that's our kind of quick fix sometimes. Um, and I think that we can help them instead kind of ask them questions. You know, mm-hmm. why are you worried about that? What, um, what do you think could happen or, you know, go through some scenarios and yeah. then kind of teach them how to reframe. Well, what other positive things are there what positive ways can we look at this and you know a lot of things it's not
1: that easy to
2: to reframe but yeah. a lot of things are well and, and i've um, always
1: been one of these positive thinkers who believes in being real right because mm-hmm. yeah there are things that we are worried and concerned about that are things that are likely to happen and so if it's yes. in that category of things that are likely to happen the best thing you can do is not say, oh, well, don't worry about that. It's like, okay, if that occurs, what are our options? Mm-hmm. So we right. have a plan if that turns out to be that way, and then you know what you're gonna do and you don't need to think about that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a little different from things we worry about that the odds are will never ever happen.
2: <laughs> yeah, it is a little, because there are both, so you know, yeah. and you're right, that is so important to to look at, at things you know, not just pretend that nothing ever, nothing bad ever happens. And, um, and I think it's important to, it's okay to feel a negative emotion and kind of, you know, process
1: those yeah. emotions. Well, before they, coming back to. Yeah, negative emotions mm-hmm. a lot of times bring with them a message. Okay, Mm -hmm. we don't have negative emotions just because we're wired weird. Okay, there's there's a function for them and worry is one of those things that it's like, hey, I'm concerned about this thing that might happen in the future. Well, how likely is that thing to happen? And so if it's very likely to happen, then yes, you need to, you know, have a plan to deal with mm-hmm. that. If it's not very likely to happen, then it's like, okay, you're you're being a little bit, you know, over alert, worry aspect of me. You can take a breath and sit down. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that information. Um and anger's the same way. Somebody violated you know, a boundary or or whatever it was, it brings a message with it for you to act on. But then Mm -hmm. you don't have, it doesn't have to hang around after it's given the message. I I tell people to think of emotions like the UPS man. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He comes and he brings you something, maybe it's a box of joy, maybe it's a box of concern, maybe it's a, a box of contentment, whatever it is. But you don't look at that box and go well you brought me a box of anger i don't want that i'm going to therefore tie you in this chair over here until you can bring me a box of something different well it's not going to bring you anything different because you got it tied to a chair in the kitchen and the longer you have it tied to the chair in the kitchen the worse it's going to get so just accept what's really good is and then allow the emotion to pass on yeah that is a really good analogy i love i really like that Mm -hmm, So we are down to the tail end of our session here. Um, Tell the folks out there how they can get their hands on your book. Has it been released yet? What's the scoop there? It has been released. It was released
2: March 7th. And um, so it is available. um, I tell people to go Barnes and Noble is nice. um a great way to go. And um also my website is fireflyfran.com. Very nice. <laughs> and they're welcome to go there. And there's a link to buy the book as well. It's directly from the publisher. So
1: beautiful. Yes. Thank you so much, Christy. I'm so happy you were here with me today. And thank you to everyone who joined us today. I hope this was helpful and supportive to you on your journey and the journey of those around you, right? Because we rarely go through these things in isolation as much as we'll talk about someone having been through something difficult. Uh, it's not just them that goes through it. Their their parents, their siblings, their children, their friends, their spouses, all go through that with them. Uh, and so it's important to remember that we're, we're on a team. Even if you feel a yes. little solo right now, you are on a team, you're not alone. And uh, I would love to hear from you. If you enjoyed this uh, episode, I want to hear that. If you didn't, I want to hear that. If you have suggestions for other topics or speakers you'd like to see or just have something you want to get off your heart, I love to hear all of that. You can reach out to me at AskZofia, A-S-K-Z-O-F-I-A, at transformationspace.co. And until next week, go out and live soul first.
0: Thank you for being a part of our program this week. Sovereign Self can be heard live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Please join host Zofia Renea Morales again next week, right here.